Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, welcome to the Budget Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, a comedian and writer of the Betches Sub newsletter. And I'm Millie Tamaris, comedian and sub video contributor. Before we start with our with our number, which is how I'm going to plan to open the show from now on, it's a nice pithy way. How are our weekends? Spring has finally, finally descended upon us, officially. Spring has sprung. It's very beautiful outside today. People are horny. It is. And my (laughs) allergies are absolutely out of control. Solidarity. I took took one of my ancient government-issued COVID tests this morning because I was just like – Because I had felt so crappy yesterday and I was like, I'm so sure that this is seasonal allergies, but like also – you can't I be did sure. go yeah, to exactly. Millie's wonderful show this weekend. I was social, so I was like, maybe mm-hmm. I should like actually double check if I have COVID. Mm-hmm. But I don't. It's just pollen. It's tough for everybody. It's tough for everybody. How was your weekend, Amanda? It was fine. I I did a very long bike ride that I... Yes, I saw. You did a, <laughs> the Fiberro Bark Tour? I did the Fibro Bark Tour. I was a little misleading. I, I didn't finish the whole tour. I just finished what my goal was because I had talked to several people that were like, don't go all the way to Staten Island because like you're stuck there. You have to take the ferry back. It's just yeah. like that's not where I wanted to end up. So I got I did I did four boroughs and then I like tried to dip out like right before they get on the BQE. And that was and then I kind of ruined my day because then I got so lost. I was so hot. I was so sunburned. My leg I both my legs were cramping. I had no water. I just called Mike crying and then my phone's like, you're gonna die. And I was like, I'm gonna this is the end. This is the end for me. I made it home fine. My leg hurts a lot. That was definitely the closest brush with athleticism I'm ever going to have. However, that's pretty fucking athletic. Yeah. <laughs> I was really proud of myself because I did ultimately you the whole thing be. is 40 miles, and I definitely did do 40 miles with getting getting to the start line, getting home, and getting very lost in between. But shout out to Hillary, a listener who was there. We were DMing about it, and she did finish it, wow. which is badass. Wow. Shout out to Hillary. Shout out to Amanda. Four boroughs. Many people say New York only has four. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. That's honestly. That's what Mike said. He was like, you can't. I was like, listen, the four boroughs with Democratic representatives are the ones. But yeah, no, your Staten Island is just so far. And it was honestly, I was getting texts for like the rest of the afternoon that was like, ferries are delayed for a medical response. Ferries are delayed for a police response. And just being stranded with your bike is just like hell. It's not fun. It's not fun. But thank you guys for the support. I do love the ferry, but it's like I have to take it on my terms and I can't Mm -hmm. be like tired and having just ridden for like post music festival yeah yeah it's one of those things where it's like the last thing i want to do after riding my bike for 40 miles is engage with the staten island ferry um and so that is you know that is and thousands and thousands of other really sweaty hungry kind of mad people yeah (laughs) well amanda you know just i'm proud of you we're proud of you you know why because you can't spell support without wow. support. Amen. So, 
That's true. You guys are my my number one supporters. Uh, Speaking of number one supporters, let's talk about the New York Times and their support of Elizabeth Holmes. I want to, the number we are launching off with today is 11.25, because that's the number of years Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to serve in prison after being found super guilty on charges she defrauded investors to the tune of $100 million after misleading about the potential of her blood testing technology. And as I was reading more about this this morning, I forgot that she wasn't really charged with any of the patient-related ones, but she really no. fucked with people's lives, both at her company, as Millie said in our group chat, one of the people that worked with her, if you read any of the 18,000 hours of media about her and died by suicide, uh, she told people her her blood machine said that people were going to have miscarriages when they wouldn't or that they didn't have much longer to live. She really caused quite a lot of harm. So, you know, if if case that's new to you, bear that in mind as we discuss this this profile. So Holmes is appealing her conviction, and she's tried to delay her response. The company line from her lawyers is that she made mistakes, but mistakes are not crimes. And despite the objective <laughs> cruelty, <laughs> I know. Some mistakes actually are crimes, number one. No. Like, that's not that's not <laughs> false. Imagine Adolf Hitler. Mistakes, not crimes. Yeah, I, we, we don't, even, oh we don't even have to take it to the Hitler level. We can just... <laughs> Fair. We can just. It's only Monday. <laughs> like people who have been at fault in car accidents and stuff would probably agree that mistakes, involuntary manslaughter, can be, can be crimes. Uh, I I don't know who these lawyers are that are costing her literally thirty million dollars, but that's thank you for calling that out. That's not accurate. That's not an accurate statement. <laughs> And so we've discussed all this. And despite the objective cruelty and criminality of her actions, the New York Times was happy, more than happy to sign on to her image rehabilitation with a profile reintroducing the convicted felon as Liz Holmes with a softly lit photo shoot of a barefoot Holmes who yeah, the subheadline says has adopted a new persona, devoted mother. I can't with these pictures. I can't with the whole thing, but the pictures especially, like they, it's just, did you guys, uh, Elise, you wrote a lot of details about the profile in the newsletter. There's, it's just very rich in all of the worst ways. What stood out to you the most? Well, I mean, what stood out to me is like just the, the descriptors used for her that she's like, you know, she's charismatic. She's gentle, all of this stuff. And it's just like, yeah, she's a very skilled scammer. So she yeah. would be all of those things. I also thought it was very interesting. Like, I mean, they talked about like, we went to the zoo, we went to the beach, all of this stuff that is like designed, yeah, to launder her image in this way where it's like, I don't know, where are the profiles of, like, the black Mm -hmm. moms who went to jail Mm -hmm. because they signed their kid up for a different school district? Like, this woman actually did do harm. It's funny, again, Mm -hmm. she's not really going away for any of the harm she did to individual people. She's really going away because of, like, the harm she did to billionaires. She cost them some money. Exactly, which I'm like, I actually don't think that scamming Henry Kissinger should be a crime, but I do think... (laughs) That giving people fake mistakes, blood. yes, that specific yeah. mistake, maybe not. Giving people fake blood tests is a really nefarious, terrible thing, and that's what puts her in a different league from other scammers. Because it's not just that she came up with a fake company and, mm-hmm. and told a bunch of people it was going to do well and it didn't, which is some shit that happens on Silicon Valley all the time. This was a medical company that she mm-hmm. was pretending 
was viable and had real results when it wasn't. And that, mm-hmm. and she did that to serve her own ego, to serve her own obsession with becoming Steve Jobs or the next Silicon mm-hmm. Valley person. And with no regard for other people's lives, she was extremely vicious towards any of her employees who tried to blow the whistle on all of that stuff. I mean, I watched the dropout. I know that guy had his relationship mm-hmm. with his grandpa ruined. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, it's just real stuff and the level, the degree to which they try to humanize her. Like, they're constantly mentioning that Holmes uh, volunteers at a rape crisis center constantly. now. Which is, you know, that's great that she does that. Um a lot of people who are convicted of crimes have to do some kind of public service afterwards uh, as part of their sentence. I do also, part of me, every time I read that, couldn't help but think, like, imagine calling a rape crisis center in, like, your lowest moment, and the person who answers <laughs> is Elizabeth Holmes, who has the home. craziest, most put-on, weird, fake voice possible like she's like hello and you're like i'm sorry that would not make me feel she safe she doesn't have that anymore though well yeah she doesn't do the voice anymore the but it is just funny to me to think about someone truly in the lowest moment of their life having to be like i'm sorry is this elizabeth home <laughs> she's like no it's liz <laughs> yeah. i again just to piggyback off everything elisa's saying it's just super disappointing that the New York Times, again, like, with all the power and all the resources as local journalism is dwindling, this is where they put their power and effort into highlighting the story of this woman who actually caused so much harm. This woman is running away from responsibility. She's not owning up to anything. She's literally changing her name. And the thing that really is the saddest part about it is that she literally had two kids. She had the pending case and got pregnant twice, knowing that she would have to serve some jail time in hopes to not serve jail time. And now these two kids are going to have a mother in jail or like just putting their life, you know, in not in jeopardy, but like, fuck your mom going to jail. That's like a traumatic thing. And like being born to this life, all as a card for her to shriek responsibility. She did try. From this thing that she actually, she tried. And when that wasn't working, she somehow got the fucking New York Times to write this. So this is why it's disappointing. And my favorite part of the article was basically she was blaming her old lawyers for how it was handled and all the journalists and stuff. And my favorite one is the quote that was like, in response to Mrs. Holmes, seemingly casting blame on her legal team. A spokeswoman for Mr. Bowes, which is their legal team, texted whatever. So even her own fucking legal team don't like her. She's will throw anyone under the bus. It's just it's just really disappointing to see like goddamn. Yeah, I mean, throughout the piece like you can see the reporter sort of check in with like whether she's being conned and she's just sort of goes she's like, "No, I buy it. I buy it. Mm-hmm. We know that this woman lies and that she's she's a scammer and it's just very strange how unskeptical the reporter is throughout." Again, despite like checking in and her like the reporter references her editor being like, "It sounds like you're being conned," but it's like the New York Times has concluded that she is a well-meaning, charismatic 
person. Like it just goes so out of their way to humanize her. Like the reporter's like, we went to the zoo, all of these wholesome activities. She and her partner are slow dancing in the kitchen. She mentions- um, Oh my God. She talks about how like she and her husband joke about the deep voice to try to kind of like make it make her seem like she's part of the joke. And on the on the baby's part, Holmes and her partner said that they weren't having babies to try to get her out of prison, but they just assumed that she would be um, acquitted. And then, you know, they make a mm-hmm. reference to like, how dare anyone interfere with a woman's uh, family planning? And just to put it, oh put an end, to, just as a button, you know, she was the CEO. She she had decision making power in in everything that happens. And as I was reading this, you know, next we will talk about Jordan Neely and a lot of a lot of the response of what happened to him is. But he was doing this, but he was being aggressive in this manner, but this. And then, but with Elizabeth Holmes, who was an actual criminal, it's like, but she's such a good mom or, but she just got swept away. And it's just kind of like sick how transparent it is. You know, obviously they're not two parallel things, but like you both said, like there's so many women, specifically women of color in jail, in prison for things that are also, that also want to go on beach walks with their dogs, who also have two kids under two and they don't they don't get this like why does she get this it's so gross yeah and the thing is like there those are a lot of women who again like actually went to jail for mistakes there are people in jail because they missed uh hearing or couldn't make it to a probation meeting or something or got like mixed up a date like there are literally people in jail for mistakes, which mm-hmm. again, there's just so much evidence that Elizabeth Holmes knowingly did every single thing that she did. It's why she was actually convicted of like on her charges. Mm-hmm. So it's just it, it's yeah, it's particularly gross to like give her even more. The Elizabeth Holmes story has been told and told and right. told again. Like we actually don't need any more profiles of Elizabeth Holmes. We can kind of put a button on the whole Elizabeth Holmes situation. There mm-hmm. are other people who are going to jail, in jail, etc., who do need their stories told and actually do have interesting, complicated situations surrounding their convictions. And mm-hmm. instead, we're just getting like Elizabeth Holmes at the zoo. Right. I was waiting for this piece to be like, and like many other women who find themselves charged with crimes, never, never happens. Yeah, and just to, you know, really highlight, as we're getting into Mother's Day, there are many, many nonprofits you can donate and volunteer work, and their entire mission is getting kids to visit their moms in jail and and Mm -hmm. parents in jail, you know? And, like, that's a big campaign they do every year. Project Avery is one of them, and it's just like, fuck, like, (laughs) you know, the New York Times, like, they're really taking these resources and doing it, and it's just really disappointing. And it's also, like... Uh, Miss Holmes, go to jail. Go to jail. Go hang out with fucking Jen Shaw. It'll be fun. Because you know she's going to get out. This, whatever witchcraft she does on this reporter, she's going to do on the fucking parole board and she's going to be out in a couple years. So just go to jail. Felicia fucking, um, (laughs) what's (laughs) the shameless guy's wife, Felicia Huffman, fucking went to jail. Like, just go to jail. Miss Lori Laughlin. You have been caught, Liz. 
Yeah, You've been it's caught. over, Liz. Just go, let it go. No one wants to see your veiny feet. Her feet are so veiny. This is the thing. I never want to see a pedi- a person's pedicure outside of like an ad for for self tanner. And I just I don't want to see Elizabeth Holmes toesies in the New York Times. It's Mm-mm. giving like Lily Collins book cover. Yes, it's enough. It's enough. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great. It looks fancy on the shelf. And I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. All right, before we move on, I want to tell you about a really exciting event in New York City coming up that you can also attend virtually. So a group called the Physicians for Reproductive Health will be holding a benefit this year to honor some of their doctors who have been just really on the front lines of providing care and protecting abortion access in this last year since Roe was overturned. We have seen so many articles and accounts from physicians and doctors about just the how complicated it's become to provide this care. And this group knows more than anyone that providing this care can be heroic. Dr. Tiller, an abortion provider who was murdered a few decades ago, he was a member. And this year's benefit will signal that care is not a crime. It'll be hosted by John Oliver and emceed by Olivia Giuliano. We love her. So there's a range of ticket prices if you want to attend in person. I know some of our listeners, that might be in your budget if you want you know, a big night on the town. But I'd also just strongly encourage you to check out the live stream Whether you can check it out or not on May 23rd, a $13 suggested donation will go towards supporting the group's efforts and helping those doctors continue to provide that care and advocate. So go to prh.org slash courage for more information and pick up your ticket, make your donation now. It's really a small price to pay for what, what, 
these doctors are doing is so necessary and amazing, and we're so excited to celebrate them. All right, on to main news. We have some heavier topics. Obviously, Jordan Neely was killed last week. We're going to discuss today. We have honestly not many updates. Things are sort of where they stood last week. The 30-year-old New Yorker was killed by 24-year-old Daniel Penny on the F train in New York last week. Witnesses say that Jordan was asking for food and he was he was not doing well. If you live in New York or you live in a big city and you take public transportation, this, there's mental health crisis in many cities. You, you can sort of envision what was happening, but those same witnesses say he never moved to assault anyone. Like there are various claims. He never, he was yelling. He said he didn't care if he died. He was clearly a little bit aggravated. He, somebody said he was tossing trash, but I want people to remember that none of those things are crimes and there are no crimes in this country that are punished with vigilante execution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The perpetrator who most outlets can't repeat enough was a former Marine held Neely in a chokehold for an egregiously long period, up to 15 minutes by some reports, which is hard to understand how that even happened because I've never been on a train that was stopped for a full 15 minutes in case something was like really wrong. Like was nobody in the car? Was nobody coming? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of questions. Other passengers helped hold Jordan's arm down and there's just people standing around and, you know, obviously somebody filmed it. The medical examiner has ruled the death a homicide, but the perpetrator hasn't been detained or charged. The perpetrator's lawyers said this, when Mr. Neely began aggressively threatening Daniel Penny and the other passengers, Daniel, with the help of others, acted to protect themselves until help arrived. And all of these witnesses who seem to like, the witnesses that say that he was being aggressive, like you can, they're trying to be like, yeah, it was like kind of intense, but they all say he didn't touch anyone. He wasn't moving yeah. to assault. So, so exactly what this 24-year-old Marine thought he needed to protect people from is, I don't know if we're ever going to know. And then that the lawyers then like go on to cite Neely's death as like a tragedy amid a, health, a mental health crisis, as if it like could not have been helped. It could have been anyone in that train with Jordan Neely and he would have ended up dead. The district's attorney's office is investigating and deciding whether to uh, press charges or convene a grand jury. The death has, you know, obviously incensed most New Yorkers, many who point out that there are so many things that could have been done to, number one, cool off the situation other than choking this man so long that he died, and just the multiple failures by the city before Jordan was even on that particular train. Our government has not successfully managed the needs of the unhoused and mentally ill population here. But a lot of others have blamed the victim in, honestly... I'm surprised by how like transparently gross it's been. I saw a New York one headline that said New Yorkers divided on Jordan Neely death. Like what? Mayor Adams, always a disappointment, said there were serious mental health issues at play here. And that's all he really said. And Governor Hochul initially said there are consequences for behavior. And then she tried to do like a cleanup job and say that she wasn't referencing Neely, Jordan Neely's behavior, but that she was referencing the killer's behavior. Yeah, Regardless, sure. both of them exactly just made really broad, vague references to mental health investments, even though both of their proposed budgets really lack adequate investments in a lot of, um, you know, social services. So like we said, a lot of a lot of this response has been pointing out anything that this young man might have done to justify such a response. But like we, there's just no, I, how do you hold somebody that long? You know, this is really a devastating and, and hard story. Yeah, I think one point that I just really want to make with re like regarding all this is I there's so much discussion about Jordan Neely's mental health. He was mentally ill. He was mentally ill. The man who flew into a blind rage and mm -hmm. choked him for 15 minutes, mm -hmm. also mentally ill. Like, mm -hmm. that is not a proportional 
normal or appropriate response to someone acting in a way that freaks you out on the train. I've been on a train where someone has been acting in a way that made me feel uncomfortable, was a little erratic. It's usually two minutes between stops and I get off and move to another car or wait for the other train to come. So for someone personally, for me as a rider of the subway, the person who flies into a blind rage and murders in the middle Mm -hmm. of the train is a significantly scarier threat. In my Mm -hmm. opinion, that is a much scarier Mm -hmm. person Mm-hmm. Than the unhoused person who seems not to be in their right mind, who's asking for money. Like that asking is Asking for food and water. Yeah. Like I just, I don't know. I've seen that a million times. I have never seen. There's so many things you can do before that. Yeah. That's such I, a good point. I've never seen someone attack that person or choke that person or hold that person down or murder that person. So to me- it's just really gross when we hear like Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, all these different people pointing to Neely's mental health when I'm actually a lot more concerned about what mental state this man who killed him was in. Yeah. They didn't release his name for a really long time. They didn't time. release his name for as long time. So it's just like, it's just crazy how, you know, much information we got about the victim before we got about the perpetrator. And yeah, like that does pose a bigger threat because, okay, what's, what is annoying to him? You know? Cause I'm like, there are kids on the train who like do dances and some people may find that annoying or erratic or whatever, or there's people who play the drums or even do sermons that are actually like, you know, homophobic or something like that happens all the time. But We're not going to choke the fuck out of, like, the life out of someone. Like, 15 minutes is a very, very long time. I don't, you were that scared for 15 minutes while you were all hold. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, I keep thinking what you said, Elise. It's like for somebody to grip something, there's really no, there's no 15-minute period where you don't have an option to get off of the train. You have clearly, uh, like, clearly he wasn't going to be in good shape after you were holding. It's just... Choking is one of the most intimate forms of violence that you can enact upon another person. It's also something that just carries with it an enormous amount of intention and loss of control on behalf of the person Mm -hmm. who's doing the choking. Because again, up to 15 minutes, that's an extremely long time. I mean, it harkens back to the George Floyd killing, which was nine Mm -hmm. minutes. Like, also, oftentimes the person passes out and is immobile before yeah, they even they die. die. So it's like, okay, you've a fit. Even you did if, it. yeah, yeah even if a physical response was warranted, which I haven't seen anything that makes me even feel like he needed to be physically restrained in any type of way. But let's say that there was something that made a physical response warranted. Once he's passed out, that like to continue on to killing him is such an egregious violation, escalation. It's totally disproportional, inappropriate. It's just not. It's not self-defense. No, it's not self-defense. If the person also like this is a person who's like begging for food and stuff on the train, like he can't 
and you have multiple people who are helping hold him down, like he's subdued. Whatever you felt like needed to happen, it's happened. He's been stopped. You grabbed him and stopped him or whatever. And like, if you, if it's really that serious, like put him out the train, like put him on the platform be like, you're not going, you know? Well, like you said, I mean, it's, like with George Floyd's murder, there was something deeper and much deeper and much darker motivating those men to uh, suffocate those men yeah. for an extended period of time. And you're right. It's so strange how much news coverage I've seen that, you know, it cites it cites Neely's arrest, how he'd been arrested 40 times, but it doesn't mention that being homeless is itself in a lot of places illegal. And also it just results in actions like littering, public urination, just like you're, when you're living your life outside – you're you're going to rack up things like that and 40, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. Well, you know, and I think this brings a really great conversation to Mayor Adams and Governor Hochul. When, when you take the city's resources and you allot a majority of them to police and you take away Where from were public they? services, <laughs> no, but take away from public services like libraries and mental health places and all of that. What ends up happening is that people's interaction and intervention is with police. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you're going to be super likely to get ticketed for peeing outside or this and that versus super likely to encounter a social worker that's looking to help you. This weekend saw the 199th mass shooting this year, and it was one of the deadliest. At a popular shopping area in Allen, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, 33-year-old a 33-year-old gunman armed with what officials said was an AR-15-style rifle killed eight people and wounded at least seven others. We don't know much about the victims yet, but we do know, I believe, that at least one was a child. Police were at the scene for an unrelated matter, and they killed the gunman. Texas politicians haven't signaled any support for stricter gun safety measures. Senator Ted Cruz offered his prayers, and Governor Greg Abbott blamed anger and mental health issues. Law enforcement sources have said that the killer had expressed white supremacist views online and was wearing insignia that said right-wing death squad. We're, you know, not even halfway through this year, and a, a, a big number of our Monday podcasts have concerned a weekend mass shooting. And... It's just appalling that it's just what kind of civilized nation allows this to happen a day after day? Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, are we even a civilized nation at this point when this is just like I, in writing the newsletter, I'm literally writing up a new shooting every single week. Um, but the thing that, you know, to connect this to our previous discussion, Greg Abbott goes on TV. He's immediately like, well, what we really need to talk about is the mental health crisis and it's in America and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, number one, that actually isn't the root issue because every other country in the world has mentally ill people. We're the only ones that have this problem. But even still, mm-hmm. what are the policies? Mm-hmm. What are the policies to address this mental health crisis? Like Eric, Eric Adams's only suggestion is to just round people up and mm-hmm. put them in to involuntarily commit them. Uh, Greg Abbott goes on TV and says like Texas is doing things in a big way for mental health. What are those things? What are mm-hmm. they? When Republican senators come out and say what we really need to talk about is mental health, okay, talk mm-hmm. about it. What are the policies? What actually are you proposing that mm-hmm. would stop 
someone from becoming mentally ill, which I don't even think is something that you can stop. Yeah. If, if, if from happening, I mean, you can like make conditions better. Mm-hmm. You can like these are people who want to defund all sort every kind of support system that exists. Mm-hmm. Texas, you know, they don't even they barely pay taxes in Texas, so they mm-hmm. don't have funding for public health support in any massive way. Mm-hmm. But as in the, but then they want to turn around and say like, oh, well, we need to focus on mental health. And I'm like, what is focusing on mental health actually mean to you? Put something forward then. Like what, what is that? Well, it's also like, what do you consider mental health? Like even just asking them, what does, what does mental health mean? It just seems like it's this thing that people just say. Not guns. And, <laughs> yeah. Not guns. It's like, Okay, does that mean depression? Are you talking about anxiety? Are any what yeah, what policies are you doing? What are you contributing? And it's just like again, if okay, if you want there to be more mental health support, do you support healthcare? Yeah. For do you support universal healthcare access because right now someone like Jordan Neely who is unhoused can't really access mental health care or like in New York, we have some, we have, I think more access to health care at low income or whatever, but you have to jump through a bunch of administrative hoops to get it. Like you're asking someone who's mentally ill and begging on the train to go online and fill out a bunch of different forms. A lot of those forms require you to have a fucking address. Like it's, even the places where stuff is available, which New York has more than Texas, the burden for someone like it is just too high. We don't live in a society where someone who's in a mental health crisis can walk into a hospital and get help and get treatment and get consistent care because they don't have insurance and they mm-hmm. can't afford it. Even if they did have insurance, the insurance sucks. Mm-hmm. So it's like, where they have to navigate who's in their network and no one is in their network because they have the low income insurance that nobody fucking takes. So it's just like these people for these people to like bang the drum of mental health while not supporting literally any policies to get people into affordable housing, get people health care that is actually accessible to them. Like, it's just, a, it's it's a joke. And it's that they just want to have something to say so that they don't have nothing to say when people ask why they're not doing anything about guns. Well, also, I mean, if we're talking about things to say and ways to prevent, let's talk about how anybody with any kind of Arab name is stopped in the fucking airport and are, is on a no-fly li- or some crazy in- insane discrimination at TSA but as time and time again like the leanings of mass shooters tend to be right-wing right supreme and and there's no kind of monitoring or flagging many many times people's parents or family report them to no avail and that is something that we, we need want to talk more about profiling too. is what we're saying not <laughs> more profiling but if you write yeah. If you, the government, like, I don't want to be like the government is watching you, but we see the the repercussions of like, or I guess people take terrorist threats and everything so, so seriously for margin, from marginalized people, from minorities, from this and that, and just completely blind eye 
to these harmful right wing. How can you wear a shirt that says right wing death squad going around and doing shit and no one's like fucking monitoring you or checking? I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah. I am for more profile. And know. you know what? If people don't like the idea of that, then the other solution is to do anything to stop the mass proliferation of guns. Because then maybe well, you don't have to see everything that things got that guy's doing if he doesn't have access to an AR-15 style assault rifle. And the yeah. Uvalde parents are literally trying to get a bill. Um, I think just banning those for people 18 to 21 through the Texas legislature. And it's just, it's just hanging out. Uh, they're, they're not going to do it. Before we move on from main news, another topic you're going to be hearing a lot about this week is the end of Title 42. This is going to have a huge impact on the number of people attempting to enter the United States, largely from the southern border. Title 42 has been in effect since the early days of the pandemic, and it's basically allowed the government, the federal government, to immediately turn migrants away for public health reasons. But Biden intends to end the public health emergency this week, and that's when Title 42 will also end. So because people knew that they would immediately be sent back for entering, people have not migrated at as high of rates. They've definitely come at higher rates than they did under Trump, uh, viewing the Biden administration as more welcoming. And the Biden administration hasn't imposed the really inhumane policies like family separation at this time. But knowing this timeline and knowing about Title 42, people are ready to come. Um, they've been waiting in Mexican border cities. Um, they've been notified that they might have a better chance. And the number of people coming in daily is expected to go from about 6,000 to 12,000. And, you know, the immigration system is really kind of at capacity. You're going to be seeing a lot of upsetting images and a lot of politicking around this in the coming weeks. It's going to be, you know, likely a humanitarian crisis, uh, you know, less importantly, a political crisis. It's just our our immigration laws are very broken. I'm I'm not an expert. I'm I'm going to look to have somebody join us on Thursday to chat more about it because it's just such a. It feels like there's no solution. I I definitely recognize that like we can't just have open borders and anyone is is allowed in. But the way that we're handling it is not humane and it's not sustainable and it's not. Um, it doesn't work for the people trying to come here or the people that live in those cities and and are helping them. Uh, get where they need to go, but a lot of a lot of a lot of the politicking and talking points from the right are going to be pretty vicious and dehumanizing. It's going to be really interesting to see how, you know, Democrats respond versus you know, the things that Republicans say. It's like, oh, they have open borders and all, like everything that you recognize is like. It's just it's just going to be a very interesting conversation, as, as, especially as elections and and primaries and everything ramps up. Because we haven't done adequate immigration policies or reforms. There are, right now, this weekend uh, and this past week in Florida, Ron DeSantis passed a really um, strict uh, thing that restricts undocumented people from working. And people are like fleeing Florida really suddenly. And it, it's just like an interesting time uh, when we talk about undocumented people. Uh, immigration and all of that. And, and I think that is one of the, as we talk a lot about the Latino vote, that is something that personally, I feel like a lot of Democrats miss the mark on making humane immigration policy. And also it is very, very complicated. And there are a lot of things that you have to consider. So, you know, it's not necessarily that one one solution is going to fix everything. 
which is what people think like, oh, just make a wall or this and that. Like those are oversimplified solutions to really complicated issues that can even start to, you know, what has the U.S. contributed to the countries that people are like fleeing from, you know what I mean? And all that stuff. So it's just going to be a very interesting conversation that's going to happen. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right, on a dramatically lighter note, dramatically lighter note, are men okay? Not me. Goat's milk latte drinking. M&M's will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character isn't unappealing. Avocado toast eating insiders only. That does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. So if you missed our last episode, make sure to check that out because it is the first time we've unanimously concluded that a man was okay. (laughs) It's a good one. But today uh, we'll assess some royalty. If you care about the coronation, you probably already know most of the details and highlights. And if you don't care about the coronation, you don't you don't need me to recap it for you. You probably don't care. But the point is that boy, do the men of this family look unhappy. It's like the least joyful, joyous (laughs) occasion I've seen on television in a minute. 
Except for those Golden Globes during the pandemic. Yes. I guess it's not like kingly to crack a smile or whatever. But <laughs> really? Charles, I, like, I, I guess not. Like, I guess you can't act happy at all during this thing. Based but on the Charles answer. looked so just like sad and old and like he's wrapped up in that giant robe and he's holding the two Heavy. gold scepters and he's got the big crown on and it just looked it, it looked so silly mm-hmm. it did silly. look so silly like how do you people take yourself seriously they're this holding is him cr- a big golden orb they're like here's your orb and he just sits there and he like looking I don't know. I feel like there has to be a way to like comport yourself that's supposed to convey like strength of some kind. And he just looked truly like grandpa during Christmas who's like kind of waiting for the kids to stop yelling so that he can go back to his room. Like he does not want to be here. It looked bad. Yeah, just the inevitability of it. Like, this man is just like, he's known this moment was going to come his entire life, and yet he it's could not. It's the happiest moment of his life. It's supposed to be, yeah. yeah he's and, he's I mean, been maybe waiting 40 forever. Years, yeah, maybe 40 years is a little late, but, <laughs> or 30 years late, but. I think on NPR they the, uh, today, they said that it was the longest anyone has waited to become king mm-hmm. in Damn. like the history of the monarchy. Like, yeah. it's, wow. it, like Lizzie really he held waited on a long ass time. We can't get a We can't get a smile. Yeah. Crack a smile. Right. Not to be like, you should smile more Charles, but come on, maybe one smile when you're being draped in jewels and like, expensive ass. God jewels. save the king. Stolen please. jewels. Just come on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was giving. It was giving like when an entire part of the extended family shows up to Sunday dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, and it's like, oh, you guys all fought in the car, and it was bad. Like all yes. of them, it touched all of them. I mean, they're just the videos I saw of Kate Middleton, and I really try not to project onto women generally, but the sadness, the sadness in this woman's eyes, it just—I don't know. I feel for her. I mean, she did. I don't. She yeah. she made her choice, but. Yeah, she well, she worked worked to get where she's at too. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But they Good look point. miserable. Um, the kids are cute. Kids the are kids cute. were the stars. I mean, the kids were the only levity to the whole thing. Like Charlotte is seems like she's really loving life. Prince Prince Louis, I really <laughs> maybe he's, he's like he's very cheeky. He definitely feels like he has some intense parent teacher conferences, <laughs> like <laughs> just going off. I did think it was funny that they sat Harry all the way in the back. They were like, bye, bitch. Like, yeah. And then he left like right away, right? Yeah. they. I think that he like wore his outfit to the airport. He was like, I'm fucking out of <laughs> here. I am not here for any of this shit. But they had him in the cheap seats way with like Andrew's kids. I was crazy. like, crazy. <laughs> well, he did write a, a scathing uh, the b- biography. Yeah, that Netflix. Yeah, Megan was looked like she was on a lovely hike. But did you guys see the sea conspiracies that there's like a very bizarre looking person there that people were convinced was Megan in a wig and like fake glasses? (laughs) Uh, I think that Megan has proven to us time and time again that she has better shit to do than watch these people do their weird fucking pageantry bullshit. Like, I'm sure she was more than happy 
not to go to that. She's in Montecito. Hey, you know, with those walking that damn dog. I've never seen a dog got more walk than their motherfucking dog. Her and Liz Holmes dog. Her and Liz Holmes, apparently they're walking on the beach with going those on the do- most wholesome dogs. dog walks. Oh my God. <laughs> it's also just funny to me that this was billed the entire time as like the scaled back ceremony that is set to reflect the economic crisis in the UK. And then Please. you cut to Charles. He's in like literally a golden horse-drawn carriage. He's holding two scepters. <laughs> like, I'm just like, what are you fucking talking about? It used to be four, but he's <laughs> conscious. So it's They two. switched out the diamond in Camilla's crown to a slightly less controversial giant diamond. I'm like, you guys are so fucking crazy. This family is so out of touch. They were like, there were no tiaras. <laughs> As a part of this scaled back ceremony, but Kate has on that like gold leaf, like yes, uh, and Charlotte with a matching one, yes. But at least they were supposed to be an homage to the environment, which King Charles apparently loves. Yeah, full of fucking mind jewels. Get out of here. Get out of here. I would love to see the carbon footprint on fucking one of those things. It was like somebody told him it was the rehearsal, and he's just like, okay. I just I don't want to spend too much energy. Camilla looked appropriately happy. She had a little smile on her face. Most famous side bitch. She earned it. (laughs) She earned that. And that's the the whole world knows that she gets some weird sex or sex letters. I want to be her tampon. After enduring that, I'd be smiling, getting my prize too. Yeah, I mean, listen, she had to spend literally 40 years having people be like, You're ugly, you're (laughs) ugly, you look like shit. So whatever. She (laughs) uh, she's smiled during the coronation and i was like see somebody's at least acting like well 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 it's my day yeah. did you guys see the lip reader um trying or uh, reading what uh, prince louis was saying yeah. it was very funny because at one very point cute. he's sort of like fake shouting something out of the window and he's shouting um like at the people what are you screaming at <laughs> who are you even talking to <laughs> oh gosh he he's thriving absolutely Absolutely. Second sun antics. Uh, well, that is our show for today. Please remember to rate and review if you love the show. It helps us so much. It helps other people find it. For now, until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Elise Morales. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.